0: Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. I'm here with Donnie Weinstein, who is the Senior Director of Customer Community and Growth at Kaltura. Uh, Coming to us coast to coast today. I'm on the East Coast and uh, Donnie's on the West Coast. So Donnie, appreciate you uh, joining us today and uh, coming here to talk maybe the intersection of customer success and community. Yeah, Jack, great having you. Uh, Great uh, being here on the show with you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, um, I like to throw a curveball question right out at the beginning, uh, just to, you know, um, maybe throw us off on a different angle, but, uh, 2020 has been, you know, an interesting year. So, uh, I don't think we've been able to travel as much as we would have liked. And so, uh, what, I don't know, what's one place that you're thinking about right now, where if, if 2020 was a normal year, you'd, you'd be loving to go for the holidays or for a new year's trip. Like what's your destination that you wish you could travel to right now? Uh, considering we're, we're locked in home. Wow. Well, you know, one of my
1: favorite places to go to, and we were actually supposed to go last summer, but that got uh, postponed, is actually Tel Aviv, Israel. So, uh, I, you know, I've lived there in, earlier in my, in my lifetime. I've flown in language and have a lot of history in my family there. So, and now with my new job, uh, once we start uh, traveling again, all the R&D and engineering is over there. So, that'll be uh, one of my destinations in addition to the other three uh, headquarter locations, New
0: York, Singapore, and London. So, it sounds like you've got a nice itinerary shaping up if we can, once we start opening the doors to travel again, lots of places <laughs> yeah. to go. I would love to go to Israel as well. I've never been. I love it. Um, awesome. Well, we, uh, I know you've got just a, um, a career in community growth initiatives um, kind of all around the technology and software space. And so um, I think one thing that's been interesting to uh, listen to our members about and kind of look at maybe the, the evolution that's happening in customer success right now is uh, people opening up more to the idea of how community can help drive engagement with customers and how um, this is, really should become part of your kind of one to many strategies, so to speak, as you're um, looking at it. And so uh, I'm curious from your, your standpoint, though, and kind of your career, um, what are some of the ways maybe that you've approached looking at kind of ROI, that question of, you know, how do we actually look at the investment we're going to make? How do we justify it? How do we then go get the right resources and, and maybe do it the right way? Um, curious if we can start there and kind of weave around. I'm sure we'll, we'll find some other topics, but um, how have you maybe approached that throughout your career, you know, kind of thinking about positioning that to your your leadership teams?
1: Absolutely. So I think, you know, what what I've certainly seen over the last dozen years that I've been in in community leadership uh, roles is that, you know, communities certainly evolve from uh, traditionally a very siloed deliverable and value add, you know, either it's a support community or a dev community, an advocate community. And it's really never thought of as a a horizontal or or really structurally something that can drive value across the entire business, across numerous uh, stakeholders. And so, you know, I was fortunate to be on the early, early stages or ground floor of the original uh, HP social care team and HP consumer support. You know, clearly the executive team was looking at how do we save, um, how do we reduce the cost of our billion dollars of, of spend a year on supporting, you know, millions and millions of products that are out there for printers and PCs in the home and microbusiness market. Um, and so, you know, again, support deflection was the big enchilada in that organization. Of course, we found things around, uh, you know, ideation and even advocates that, that emerged over time. Uh, You know, more recently, when I migrated over to to Domo in the B2B world, uh, you know, I was starting on the ground floor. They did not have a customer-facing community. They were actually very secretive at the time that I joined. You had to sign an NDA in order to uh, license the product. You can talk about the product. That'll change shortly after I joined. And so the value-add really was, you know, the quick wins that you could pitch to management was certainly on support deflection, on content creation, uh, and so forth. But, you know, immediately we uh, created within Several months in ideas exchange. And so that was driving value from a you know voice to customer perspective. It gave the chance for our customers to feel like they were part of the team, that they were being listened to. There was transparency in the product roadmap. It also led to you know, efficiencies on how a product would review ideation or review ideas instead of getting 50 emails from different people, from CSMs, from AE's, from product feedback button and product. You could look at one thread and say there's one idea with 50 votes from 100 customers, you know, in comments, which translates into, you know. Half a million, a million, two million dollars of ARR. You know, ARR. So yeah. a lot of value out there, and certainly over time, we were able to tie the dots or connect the dots around uh, advocacy. And there's a lot of great data out there from not just what I saw in my space, where we look at, you know, we had our own um, account health scorecards. We had a lot of great data scientists that were doing that, and we could show that accounts that had active members in community were typically several points healthier and low, lower at risk relative to those accounts that had nobody um, engaged at all. But the same is true, we look at, you know, my peers from Salesforce and Lacey and Opta, they all show, uh, you know, greater pipeline, much, much lower uh, churn and attrition, and, you know, 33% greater adoption for having a healthy community as part of your brand. So again, you, those super fans are going to, you know, tell you when you're doing things well, and they're gonna tell you when you're not doing things right. But at the same time, for the most part, if you're, if you're recognizing them and giving them an opportunity to shine, then they're gonna be there for you to speak at your user conferences, your webinars, your conferences, uh, reference calls, and more importantly, they're going to really drive adoption in their account. So you're going to make their life easier, especially when you're dealing with B2B and a SaaS business. You could typically have a a persona like an admin or a super user who's who's trying to deliver value for the investment in your product, and they're 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 trying to scale usage of your product by tens or hundreds of people, and they're trying to figure out how they do that. So they want to connect to other peers in their industry that are are trying to do the same thing. So having yeah. a community enables that, you know, the connectivity and, and sharing of best practices. And so, you know, to summarize, it's really now emerging in as this overall horizontal where you've got really four major pillars across, you know, support for deflection, content creation for education and you know, learning and growing,
0: uh, ideation for innovation, and of course, advocacy to drive uh, drive adoption. Man, uh, I love how succinct that boils down to those four pillars. It's a it's nice nice framework that you um, just looped around into there. And I think the, the one point that sticks out with me, and I think we've seen this in our uh Gain, Grotain, kind of, you know, uh, more of a practice uh, community is, you know, around this idea of, of building, helping our members almost build their own individual brands, um, so to speak, right? Giving them the ability to kind of shine, like we're giving them the platform and the ability to come in and talk about ideas, talk about things, look at best practices. But um, I think where we've maybe been excited or we've seen really great engagement or growth is just around the fact of Um, when we can when we can put a member in lights and say, Hey, look at what they produced or look at this best practice or template or something that they've um, helped do. They wrote a blog, they they're on our podcast, like any of those things. Um, it just helps them and, you know, build that personal brand. And I think that's where, um, you get the goodness as well, right? Like if you can help an individual build their personal brand, like that's one of those things that they can carry with them for their lives. And so theoretically, it's like, you're kind of getting outside of just your product. You're getting outside of just the uh, the company they work at today. And that's how you start maybe infecting or impacting their future. Um, and that's where these relationships become cross company, right? They're going to go somewhere else and think about your company and think about what you did for them. Um, and so that's why I, I love the point that you made about that, because I think we've seen, seen how that can be impactful uh, and community is such a good way to drive that. Uh, that's a great point,
1: and and again, people ask. Uh, I get a lot of questions, you know, particularly around B two B. They're saying, well, why would these, you know, business professionals, or or even technical professionals, spend time in the community? I mean, they've got a full time day job, and so, you know, one, they're trying to take their game up to the next level. They want to learn and get better, but also they're yearning for that professional development, professional experience. And, you know, I we had a you know a pretty strong implication in the communities that I've run, and and the last one was around. You know, we we called our community the dojo, so we had a martial arts uh, belt structure. Theme And so you would start out with a white belt and ultimately reach a black belt. And so um, people want to get those black belts. And the fact that they could, uh, you know, when I, when I left Delmo earlier in the year, uh, you know, I, I had recommendations from customers that were, you know, super fans of my community. They were black belts and to a person, they all said that the time that they spent contributing and participating in the community helped them get promoted helped them in their career. Uh, again, they could take that with them to, to their next role. So it's, it's the same thing. It's really that professional development. And some companies have formal certification programs you know, others do not. Um, and those really marry those marry very well into you know formal certification programs. So whether you're you know a Salesforce certified admin or an opt admin, whatever it may be, having that you know community reputation is also uh, very important.
0: Yeah. Um that brings up to just another um thought in my mind as well, just around the fact that when you are able to um help those customers in that way you also get the goodness of it too, right? Like you now have, uh, you might move to another company, right? Now you've got references and other things. So it's its kind of funny how it's bi-directional uh, where that, those relationships start to last um, and really help. And the other uh, interesting piece, I think that you were mentioning earlier that I've always just found maybe extremely helpful is, um, I don't want to say I always, I always distrust the, the vendors we work with, but it's so much more powerful when I go ask a question and it's multiple current customers telling me, their situation, because they're typically in the role that I'm in. And I think this goes back to your point earlier, you're kind of talking about admin or power users, right? If I have to go, if I'm working cross department to implement uh, whatever technology it is, I would love to be able to to hear how others have done that. Hey, you know, how have you gone to other departments to get the buy-in? How have you gone to facilitate these types of discussions? Do you have a framework, a PowerPoint, whatever it might be? And so um, I, could, I could get that stuff from the vendor all day, but hearing it from another customer is just, is always going to be different. And so I think that's where uh, I've also, I, myself have enjoyed being part of communities is the fact that hey, I can associate myself with these others. And one, we're sharing maybe similar problems or opportunities. And so that's just something that I think innately as, as humans, we all crave is you know, somebody who's going through something similar or has been through something similar. Uh, but then also I can actually um, hopefully work smarter, uh, not harder in the fact that maybe they've already got a template that I can, I can use and I can, or maybe they've got a process they've already run. And so even having those things uh, at my fingertips has been really impactful from the community standpoint as well.
1: Uh Absolutely. I think it goes the, uh, back to our know, human nature trusting, you know, having your, your circle of trusted peers and friends as opposed to talking to, you know, the, the support person or the salesperson from a particular brand.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, I think all these B2C experiences are starting to cloud our uh, B2B experiences too, right? <laughs> we're, uh, we're starting to uh, request more and more from our B2B companies, um, you, the other part that you mentioned, I'm curious to uh, maybe dive in on more too, is you uh, talked a little bit about how um, those four pillars, right? You've got kind of support and you mentioned um, content and education uh, being one of those pillars as well. So how how have you uh, maybe tried to help facilitate some of those uh, discussions or help, help facilitate uh, kind of taking and bringing what our customers are talking about in community and kind right. of helping the education team then go work on, you know, articles, courses, you know, uh, certifications that they can go build. Um, how have you kind of seen that work in, in tandem?
1: Sure, so you know, mo- most uh, you know, solid community platforms will have a, uh, you know, an accepted solutions feature in their platform. And so with that, you can develop a process where uh, as new solutions are being created in the community, you set up a process with your, your content slash education team to say, all right, you know, here's the, here are the 10 new solutions that were created this week in the community and say, all right, do we have an article, is, A, how is it valuable, number one, number two, uh, do we already have an article that talks about the same thing, yes or no, and if we don't, kick it over to the education team to create that. Uh, and also it could be that we may have one, but there may be new you know, new information that's not it, contained in that existing article that could be augmented. So it's really just thinking about the solutions that are created in the community as an extension of the content creation team. You know, That needs to be harvested and mined and, and integrated into the content creation processes that the education team has, which they can then leverage for your knowledge base, for training, you know, and learning. And it's really just adding, um, you know, really a 12th a person or 12th man, a 12th uh, person I should say on your team without hiring anybody, because essentially the community is creating that pillar of content that, you know, is there for the taking. Uh, yeah. that just makes, you know, that just makes your, the, the overall set of content that much more richer. Because again, you can't, you can't control whether the customers are going to go to community first or knowledge base first, but you want to make sure that both bases are, are covered.
0: Yeah. It becomes a really powerful listening channel. Um, you know, because again, we always want to be talking to customers, you know, you look at customer success teams. And I think one of the things that we always hear is how, uh, you can't necessarily just scale one-to-one in terms of a customer success team. And, um, and then, you know, when you think about maybe a book of business for a customer success manager, they've got, uh, you know, 50 to hundred to 200, whatever the customer number might be. And so, um, to be able to go talk to that many customers, kind of mine that stuff, harvest it, give it over to the education, right? That's a, a very long um, process. And also you're uh, maybe missing out on some of the, the larger trends. And so I think back to your point, you know, it's, it's that community can really boil down some of those larger trends of what, what are things and themes that people are talking about um, and how to get that over uh, and maybe even make that just a more efficient or effective process, um, just given the fact that you've got such quick and easy access to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also uh, grounds and particularly A's and, and the CSM's as to, you know, what are what are our customers talk about today or this week? Um, you know, over time, we did this at HP and, and I, I kind of brought that best practice into DOMA. We would run, run a thing used to be called Expert Days. At, at Domo, we call them, uh, you know, Dojo Days. And, you know, you're not going to do it early on, but as your community starts to scale, uh, you want to bring more people to the show and you want to have events. It's kind of like a live Q&A to drive a lot of great content. And so you promote it for a couple of weeks at of time in social channels through email. And what it is essentially is you create one board that, that stands up for let's say eight business hours. Uh, you say you, know, bring us your, you advertise and you know, bring us your toughest questions about you know Domo, about HP, whatever it is. Um, and then it you know it goes viral and people show up with you know dozens of questions. And then what we do and what we do is we guarantee or you say, you know, we're going to um, <clears throat> you know, guarantee a 10 minute response time to your initial question, not necessarily solve the problem in 10 seconds, but I'm sorry, in 10 uh, minutes, but at least get that initial reply. So what we would do is we would recruit, you know, that in HPDs we had virtual rooms and conference rooms around the world. We start out small with like, I think it was just the Apple printing board originally. And then we ended up making like a seven language, 24 by seven event. You know, at Domo we did it, we did it like eight hours every about six to eight weeks. And I would take, get my CSMs, uh, my top consultants, you know, top support people, you know, they volunteer one hour of their time, We'd have a conference room, we'd have a Zoom, whatever it may be. i make it as convenient for them as possible. And then that one board would show up and say, you know, Dojo Day, and it'd be rapid fire. And so I would be quarterback, all right, here's a question, who's going to take it? And what happens is you get a massive wave of people showing up on that, that time frame. You create all this great content because most of them are going to get solved because you got a lot of smart people in the room. Yeah. All that, all that goodness gets put back into the community. And then after eight hours, that board goes away and it's back to normal. But also what happens is a lot of newbies show up who didn't know the community existed. And they am like, oh wow, this is here 24-7. I can actually ask some questions. And then over time, as the people were reaching Red Belt and Black Belt, I would have, and, and we'd be strapped for resources. I would actually invite them and say, Hey, you help out today whatever you know, whatever you can. I wouldn't have them assigned a particular time. I'd say, Help, if you help out, you know, I'm gonna add bonus points to your, your rank and I'll bump you up, you know, a level. So that would actually get, get them more recognition as a, an expert. And a lot of times, even before even doing that you know, you get these folks that are just super hungry to answer content. They they would say, Oh, I want to, and they would be my people to go and answer the questions.
0: That's funny. That's a cool, I like that idea a lot. That's a cool way to try and um, almost maybe um, help, help customers, even just, I mean, deflect support cases, but even just um, Mm -hmm. understand about how the, the, the different types of smart people you have in the business too, right? You've got, like you said, you've got consultants, CSMs, and there's so many different departments or people in the business. And so being also just being able to introduce customers to the, to the breadth and width of kind of knowledge we have, I think is also probably valuable uh, as an even, organization. Too. Even
1: internally, it really helped get more employee engagement because then the CSMs would say, oh my gosh, there's a ton of great content here. I need to send my customers here. More spending another, an hour on, a, on, on helping them get on to something new. I could actually deflect them and say, hey, go check out you know, the community first and then we'll spend more time with you on some of the, the tougher challenges. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we'd be interacting and I look under the hood, look at their avatar and, and say, so, okay, this is you know, so-and-so from G and that my CSM, oh, that's my customer. So, yeah, I think again, over time it, it, it was a win went all around and it's certainly something I'm going to be introducing in my new gig, but again, that's something you kind of do maybe two, three quarters after you go live. Cause you know, the first, first few months is really about building, uh, you know, the engagement with the Pat, with the core members, the power users, and then slowly introducing the, uh, employee engagement.
0: Yeah. The, um, the other thing that I think is, has been interesting to, um, maybe from my role director of customer experience, like, Um, and hearing from our community members as well, right? Kind of mainly customer success leaders and thinking about um, you've got education training, you've got support and a knowledge base, and now you've got community. Um, And really like, I just continue to think about how do you remove friction across those three areas? And then uh, while reducing friction, how do you also make sure and kind of reinforce the value of each one to the customer so that they know which one exists and why and and what it's there to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, a whole, that whole idea though, of just maybe trying to unify that experience is something that I am uh, like hyper-focused on. So I'm curious, like how, how have you thought about doing that in your, your career, right? Like, have you, I guess if you started with one and then kind of worked out or do you generally, you know, it's kind of like you walk in the door and it's like, Hey, we've already got a knowledge base. We've already got a community and we've already got uh training and education. So now I've got to just figure out how to put this together. Is that generally how, how it works? Yeah. I mean, again, so my- you know, back in the HP days again, as we were part of it, this massive global support
1: organization. And I've done all kinds of roles previously around, you know, global um, chat support, email support, remote control support, you know, web experience, driver downloads. Um, you know, managing global teams, and we had this charter to build out a, a forum because we didn't have, we did not have a branded one, and we were not going to get a renewal for JD Power award that we won back in 2006 in the Americas. They called us out in seven. There was one with compact. They got rid of it anyway. So that's when we had the charter to go and create a, a support form. And we ended up doing seven distinct language communities. We launched for 15 months. And I mean, Lithium never saw a volume like that ever from, you know, zero to 60. I mean, the hockey, the hockey stick wow. the growth we had was, off, was just insane. So when I left at the end of um, 14, I think we were driving hundred million customers a year in traffic to those seven communities. Wow. Uh, having said that again, a lot of the orientation was around, you know, the support portfolio. And of course, the you know, content was there, technical writers. Um, we did bring engineering into the mix over time because we could prove that, issues for, you know, let's say they're, you know, new, new laptop, new printer, there'd be a bug. It would take the contact center's traditional support four months to figure out there's a problem. And we would see it, you know, in about three weeks in the community. Wow. So yeah. in that time, we could go out to the customer, get the product back, put it into the lab, they have a fix and you'd like shrink the time to resolution and then mitigate all this other stuff. In Domo, again, they were, you know, much smaller company, they were growing like crazy. Uh, the immediate need was certainly on, on, you know, support deflection, but also they had an archaic wiki. So the fact that all this straight content was going to produce real time, r- real fast. And then it went into you know several months down the road. We did the ideas exchange, and now you know two thousand ideas in five years, three hundred were delivered in product. And over you know probably years two and three and four, we really got into the tie- t- tying the dots or connecting dots together around uh, advocacy. So to your question, um, and I'm facing that right now is how do you bring together the support organization, education team, and what we want to do here? And actually, that's what I'm meeting with regularly right now, is to align on that strategy. So. I see them as critical partners in, in my evolution. I want community to become the, the hub for all customer engagement. I want that to be their first destination. I, probably, I will probably get support for that. But having said that, there's gotta be seamless integration across, they wanna go search a knowledge base, you know, blue sky, the, the search engine or the search um, widget on my landing page should be able to search the content in community and the knowledge base real time. Uh, and then of course, if they wanna open up a sport ticket, there's access to, to, to do that straight from community. And, and beyond that, having integration. So, let's say if you're using Salesforce, um, as part of my community best practice, we set up a process. Let's say, a, you know, question goes unanswered for 24 hours, it automatically gets creates a support ticket, gets escalated to uh, a Salesforce ticket, or a thread is on is not solved for a week, you know, gets bumped up to you know to a ticket. So those kinds of things. But beyond that, I think having both. Uh, as we talked about earlier the the content review cycle with the education team to see what's being created in community, and then of course getting, you know, some of those uh, sort of the level two support agents um, spending, you know, a couple hours a week in community,
0: uh, some of the tougher threads is, is also, I think, a good best practice. Yeah. I like the idea, like you mentioned, I mean, not only like uh, if, I'm a, if I'm a user, right, the end user experience here, like having those sites look like they're all one, right, being able to kind of navigate through and, and kind of seem a seamless experience. But then also thinking about those automations on the back end, like you just mentioned, um, that's an interesting angle of like, how are we you know, how do we make sure and got, we have SLAs around community, you know, response time and, and what turns into a ticket, what doesn't, how do we actually start classifying some of these things? Um, because I also think that becomes part of the data exercise to understand what's trending over time, what's moving up and down. Um, like, how do we actually see, you know, what's happening in the community beyond just discussions and comments, right? Like that's, how do you start getting down into the details of the, the types of discussions, the type of comments, the feedback that we're getting, um, and how do you start then extrapolating that into business, business decisions that you need to be making as well? Yeah, and I mean, you know, and we ran, you know, uh, pretty small surveys, um, you know, we had,
1: we had a Qualtrics integration with Domo and, well, the Dojo, I should say, and, you know, we tried to keep the survey length fairly really short, maybe three, four or five questions, but the, you know, the key thing really was, you know, did, either you you ask the first question being, you know, did you either, did you find the information you're looking for or was your visit today helpful for you? So that's really the the, the pillar of, you know, value for the customer. But then even the granular piece, you know, how just did they, we would ask them, did they support, did they visit... Did they contact support before they arrived in community in most cases they did not um, and then do they intend to contact after their visit so you can actually track deflection uh, pretty granularly uh, based on your page views your, your visits unique visitors and then using that survey data if it's if it's uh <clears throat> you know statistically sound based on the volume you're gonna get uh to come up with a deflection number um you know then of course you've got you know the you know, the percentage of, let's say, threads that are solved or threads that are answered, you know, that sort of talks more to, you know, overall engagement.
0: Yeah, so you would, you would essentially embed that form uh, on the, on the community. So if I'm a user on the community, I'd be getting that, those questions, or is that after a, a support ticket was answered? No, that
1: would be in community.
0: It was a pop-up. Oh, cool. it would show up
1: about 90 seconds or two minutes after their visit. Um, oh, interesting and it, would, and it would show up to anonymous as well as registered users because again you've got a lot of lurkers out there that are not necessarily going to sign in if they do if they know what and a lot of times again people come human nature is to go to google and search a question you know how to how do i do something in, in kaltura or how to Doma or in hp that's where they're going to begin so they may not be authenticated anyway at that point when they're coming in and, and 90, you know a large percentage as much as 90 percent, are what we call lurkers they're, they're never going to engage they're just going to consume the
0: content and you need to measure whether that's been abused for them or not. Yeah. Do you, um, I know you mentioned there was a sh- kind of a short period where it sounded like, like you said, Domo was kind of, uh, uh, hidden behind the cloak, so to speak. And very, it sounded like a very small part of your time there, but, uh, I guess, do you see that there, I guess in, in almost every instance, just like that, like human behavior is for us to go to Google first. So like, should, should companies think about these communities as open spaces where anybody can go just beyond customers as well, just because we want that ability to find the answer and just to get to get to the information. There's really no, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't really think of, I guess the downside, you know, there's no trade secrets. We're, we're, we're hiding behind the, the the curtain, maybe, I don't know. I'm just curious from your standpoint, if you've just found that true, I guess. Right, and, and again, for me, the community went live. The, the, we,
1: we launched it at, the, at our first customer conference, which is when they, they basically put the uh, NDA in the trash in the recycle bin. So, <laughs> um, but to your point, there was a lot of sensitivity. For, so for example, most community platforms like our logic or, or Forest and so forth, um, or vanilla, you've got the ability to, to create private areas of the community. So if there's are sensitive conversations, whether it be an internal employee conversation, a partner conversation, uh, maybe you've got strategic customers you wanna have a you know, sort of a customer advisory board conversation. Uh, you can do that, they're authenticated and it's restricted to a certain subset. The downside of doing any of that content though, or even that ideas exchange, we hid that behind the firewall, um, that won't get crawled by Google. So the recommendation is you wanna have 90 plus percent of your content out there for, for anybody to see because then you're getting the benefit of the search engines crawling that content and that's how, that's how it's going to go viral. At the same time, there are conversations that should be discreet. But again, those are typically not going to be a high volume. And again, there was our, you know, some ideas exchanges are out there for, for the public, you know, public view. If you go to Tableau, you can see anything that they have. The same thing with, you know, canvas and the education space, but then there are a lot of other, other communities that are totally private. So it's really a management decision on how sensitive that those conversations are on, on how much you want to expose your roadmap. You know, our decision at Domo, at least was that uh, it needed to be limited to
0: existing customers, which made sense. Yeah, I think the, I just wrote down that point because I think it uh, resonated a lot with me, which is, you know, the fact that 90, 90 plus percent of your content should be crawlable by Google because I think I've generally been of the ilk, like this is what I follow on my own kind of like LinkedIn and just my own personal branding, which is also just like sharing is uh, like having the information out there I see very limited downside, right? Like the, the more information we can share, um, even if competitors steal it or whoever else uses it in the world, right? Like it's it's going to be a good thing because somehow it's going to come back to us at the end of the day. And eventually there's going to be something that comes back around. But I think in general, if we can be seen as adding value, driving these conversations forward, um, you know, helping to answer questions, like to me, those are all good things that can be associated with our brand. Um, and so really it starts to become, I, I like that point because I think it starts to become then like, I can Google something, I can see that there's actual engagement interaction. And that's, something positive I'm associating with the brand is that that's actually uh, out there for me to go search. The other thing, which I just think is, is uh, funny that you mentioned, which is like human nature, like Google first, right? And if I go to Google and I can't find it, then it's like almost just making me more frustrated as a user or as a customer. Cause it's like, great. Now where do I have to go to find this answer? Then it just, you know, creates kind of uh, a negative connotation in my mind too.
1: Absolutely. And then even, you know, again think about your audience, I'm uh, simply, you know, large, you know, big logos, enterprise size accounts, like an NBCUniversal, Universal, Citibank event life, whatever it may be and you're trying to go for an RFP, well, now community has become a checklist item in those RFPs.
0: Oh, interesting. Saying, do,
1: you have a healthy cus- do you have a healthy customer community? And so if it's totally behind a firewall, you can't even show that. It's like, well, here's the link and you can't see anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, again, having that visible and demonstrating that there's actually conversations about your brand, that actually helps you in you know, getting an ad bad for some of these deals.
0: Yeah. Here's, it's kind of a funny, here's a, here's a link. Uh, just trust me. There's, there's a conversation behind the firewall, you know, like here, you can't see it, but there just trust me. There's uh, stuff happening. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, Well, one last piece I just wanted to kind of weave in here too, and then um, we'll let you go is uh, I think one of the things that I've just been finding more and more interesting. So we've kind of talked about the content angle, especially from like education and, and how we can create courses and knowledge-based articles and training and those types of things. Uh, but I also think there's this, um, this other angle that, marketing teams can really start to leverage as well, right? When we start having great dialogue and conversation around topics in the community, uh, that becomes one thing, you know, hosting webinars or current, you know, hosting different types of discussions, office hours, uh, round tables, other types of events. Those, those to me also have such great value in both community as well as marketing. And there becomes this, uh, again, kind of harmonious relationship that needs to happen because, um, I always think that the community is probably the closest thing to the customer, uh, what they're thinking, feeling, knowing right now. And so, uh, I'm curious how you've maybe navigated that in your career as well. Like thinking about, you know, how do we get on, how do we go to our marketing team and kind of get on their calendar get on their cycle to say, Hey, here are the, here are the things that we want to be talking about when, or here's, here's what I can offer you from the community.
1: No, that's a great point. So you know, even back in the HP days, we, we, uh, after we demonstrated a lot of success, we got funding to spend a lot of money on two incredible social support summits. So we, we flew our top, Super fans from around the world to, you know, the first year was San Francisco, about 170 attendees. And then the next year was Orlando, about 265. And again, it was all expenses paid, flights, all nine yards. And we had an incredible conference just for them. But then even, you know, the Doma days, um, you know, I I had this marriage really with the the marketing team on on the user groups. I spoke at more than 30 user groups in North America the last several years. And in many cases, my top community members, if they were in, Chicago or Raleigh or Dallas or San Francisco, I maybe you know, that not only would they be there, we make sure that they'd be, they'd be on the agenda. They'd have to be on a panel or they'd be sharing their, their, their story. Um, and so marrying that offline and online experience is critical. So obviously today everything's online and being virtual. Um, the two have to go hand in hand. And actually my new role, I'm, I'm going to be owning user groups as well. So, <clears throat> you know, figuring that out and how do you you know create these these events for a dedicated audience? So whether it's, you know, a you know, for example, I'm looking out doing a North America higher education admin user group in Q1 as an example. You know, back when we do them in person, we would have, you know, San Francisco Doma user group or Dallas. And the way we married that with community is we would I, I actually had um, we would have event based badging. So I had the designer in our product team create, you know, about like San Francisco have Golden Gate Bridge or City have Empire State Building on a Sears Tower of Chicago. Um, you know, if for the Carolinas, it'd be the. Um, you know, um, the Wright brothers playing as oh, nice! So each yeah. of those things, so if you attended the user group, you would get that badge in community. Um, and so that was also sort of sort of in nice time, but also we would have dedicated conversation boards in the community that were specific to that region. So even if they missed it, they could see the content, they have a Q and A in that conversation board, and then all the content from the event would be there, but then they'd have the opportunity to connect with other people to say, oh, you're in Charleston, I'm in Charleston, or you're in New York, I'm in New York and have that going. And then over time, even before COVID, I was starting to encourage our, you know, again, the super fans that were, uh, you know, reached higher higher belt levels. We knew that we, we could trust them as far as representing our brand. We would say, okay, um, you know, Jack is in Boston and we just had an event in Boston. He's like, How about you get together. And so like the following month, you know, he got six people together at Beer Garden in Boston, same thing we did in Chicago. And so they were starting to have, you know, we get some money for pizzas for them or some swag, but the really the way to scale that is to let the users uh, start to meet up on their own in between the times when your brand is hosting it. Because again, how many user groups can a company afford every year? 10, to yeah. 30 tops, depending on how big you are. You know, Google, Google, Facebook, maybe, maybe more, but if you look at some of these companies that have done it really well, um, there are hundreds, if not thousands. I mean, it's, you know, Trailblazer is a great example of that. You know, Alterex has done it really well. Uh Tableau's done a good job as far as that's concerned too. So again, marrying those those um Again, until so we flick it out of COVID, you know the webinars, the user groups, the blogs. Um, marketing is a key uh, partner in the equation. And and all, the other thing that I can share with you too, especially in my, you know, job hunting jir- journey the last six months before I landed at Kaltura, most of the, the senior level community roles that I was applying for were actually in marketing. And even the one I got and landed in it today is part of it's you know, it's part of marketing. So they they understand the value that this can bring to you know driving driving and retaining business.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the um, the whole idea of like having these small groups and being able to empower those people to kind of keep the community within within the community is something that I just keep hearing more and more about from uh, a lot of people who've been doing community for a long time. Is like the the secret sauce that uh, when you start peeling on you know kind of peeling the onion, that's kind of the secret sauce as you start to think about uh, like you said having these experiences scaled on a way that you don't necessarily have to be there and be present all the time. And so if you can have the core values and kind of have the ethos and make sure that you know, that's kind of instilled in in everybody who joins the community, then like you said, if you can find those uh, early adopters and those champions, those people who want to be kind of uh, those volunteers, then that's where you can uh, start to really impact more. Because then, you know, Donnie doesn't have to be in every single meeting. It's Donnie can be in some select ones and then, um, you know, it goes from there.
1: Exactly. And even from a, um, your customer base, you know, not all the percenters are going to be the one percenters that are engaged in theory every every day or every week and rise to the ranks. Uh, having said that, there are I would say a subset that are probably more in that we call it the 9 the 99-1 nine, rule. Some people are not saying it's more like, you know, one to three percent. and It goes maybe as much as thirty percent that are occasionally engaging. I think there's a group that's in that more than that thirty percent that will only occasionally engage, but they're incredibly valuable to your brand, but you don't know it. But their their preference is actually to show up at the in-person events. Yeah, see that more as a time value add for themselves. So, I mean, much more um, beneficial for their time to do the meet and greet and to be at these, you know, intense one day events. And so that's a, um, you will I think find a bigger set of, um, you know, advocates in that, you know, including that pool in your, in your radar as well. You know, the lurkers, the lurkers are always going to stay lurkers and the ones who don't want to engage are never going to engage anyway, but there's that second audience that I find is um, they don't have time to engage in community on a regular basis, but when they show up to a user group, it's like, it's off the charts. And we had a number of people like that. They were power users of the product. They were, you know, driving a lot of value with their brand. They just didn't show up the same way in the online space, but certainly at the, you know, one guy in Dallas, he heard about, we were doing another user group in Atlanta, he flew from, he had a cheap flight from, from Dallas to Atlanta, got on a plane and came from the of Atlanta. <laughs> that's funny. And, and so, you know, he wasn't even on the agenda, but I, I called him out during the event and we had him on stage for 10 minutes. Cause like, you know, he got on a plane this morning to come to the Atlanta user group and he's in Dallas.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's a prime example. That's funny.
1: So um, that's uh, you know that's huge, and again, I think um, you know hopefully soon we'll get back to the in-person um, meetups. But as I said, the all the outbound, you know, the blogging, um, you know, the um, promotional stuff. There's got to be a manager with, with the marketing team in addition to the um, you know the events.
0: Yeah. Uh, one last question, and then I promise I'll let you go this time. Um, I keep thinking more questions, but you mentioned kind of it living in marketing versus it living uh, community. That is living in marketing, um, kind of the role that you're in now um and i'm curious i guess when you were looking at those roles or uh, throughout your career i guess do you find that if it lives in different parts of the organization that that dramatically shifts the the goals of the community or the goals of, of what you need to hit has that really changed that much or is that more of like a kind of a fallacy that people think about like uh doesn't change really as dramatically as people might think
1: well i don't think there's dramatic change i do think what's most important and this is certainly key when you're um looking into get you know to get hired into a role or, or taken on a new role, you wanna make sure that the executive chain of command, whether you're sitting like, I'm doing my site client services. So the CEO, Steve Wellen hired me, he understood the value of the community at the time. Um, and so, you know, it was great because, you know, support site and client services, education site client services and all the CSMs did. So I had that, you know, great partnership with all those organizations, getting the buy-in and marketing took quite a bit of time. And then there was a different organization and understand community. It happened over a period of time. Um, you know, today again with with marketing, I wanted to broaden my portfolio beyond community. I mean, the role included in a growth aspect. There's really a key yeah. element around adoption of user groups. But I see now too, um, you know, they get it, and I think that position wise, where they are in the organization, they've got a lot of. Um, they already have a great relationship with the CSMs, with the AEs, and like some of the sales development reps sit in the same organization, same teams. Um, so I think that's that's a win win, and I think that you know one of the short term challenges is going to be. Uh, you know, getting that marriage across on the, the engineering side and, and having, um, you know, working with them to get done to get what we need to do for benefit of the customer. But to, you know, to your point, you know, I think, again, you gotta think about, and this is also how you sell the value community, is making sure that your vertical is, 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 is aligned from, you know, how is the CEO measuring success? How does it cascade down to your, your SVP or VP? And translating the value out of community into metrics that they understand. And then as you move across the organization, you gotta start talking those executive languages, you know, the same KPIs that they understand, where does community fit into that value add? And then they, then they'll, they'll, they'll come around to uh, supporting what you need to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great, great point here to, uh, to end on um, too. I know we're uh, bumping up here on time. So uh, Donnie, okay. I appreciate you spending time with us and, and talking about all you've, uh, you've picked up over your career on community and thinking about uh, how do you kind of bring together the trifecta, you know, online community support education? How do you think about the ROI and, and uh, you know, how do you try and align kind of marketing and content and uh, community as well? So if uh, if people are interested in, in finding you more, this is the, you know, this is the time to maybe plug yourself. If you've got uh, a blog or anything else you like to uh, you like to do or any writing on LinkedIn or Twitter, where can people find you if they're uh, they're out there? So they can find
1: me on Twitter. Uh, It's at uh, Danny Boy, triple seven. So it's actually D-A-N-I-B-O-Y, triple seven. And then on LinkedIn, it would just be, um, you know, LinkedIn slash I-N slash Donnie Weinstein. No spaces. So D-A-N-I-W-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. I I did a lot of my writing on LinkedIn these days. I actually, my first Medium article teed up. I've been wanting to get it out for the last couple of weeks, but it should be done this weekend. And that's really talking about, Uh, you know, job hunting in a pandemic and how I landed my current role. So hopefully that's going to help other people and uh, that should be out soon. So I'll
0: publish that on those two channels and uh, happy to connect. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, Well, I appreciate you uh, joining us today and and look forward to um, having more of these conversations. Uh, I'm sure this is this is going to be the first of many. As uh, as now we're, I feel like we're starting to, uh, you know, have a uh, budding cross cross country relationship. Now that we've uh, gotten the chance to to meet several times and, and have some interesting conversations around uh, community, customer success, customer experience. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing this again. Me too.
1: I appreciate you having me on the uh, show, and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon.